There ain't a podcast that's flyer. You are now tuned in to Direct Misfire. Benson, you and Selick, tell everyone to tune in. Let's roll the dice. Let me show you what we do win. A fantasy war game. Play it smart and you win. What you know about the crystal pen and the retribution? Hero, hero, giants and knights galore. It's an adventure. This is Kings of War. Let's go. Hello champs and welcome once again to another Direct Misfire Missive. Joining me today, as always, is Selic. Hey, hey. As well as Hugh. Yo, yo. As we have a chat about Kings of War in the digital form. So pull up a seat, grab a drink, and let's get into it. Hello gents, and welcome to the first sort of non-isolation cast. Semi. <laughs> Semi-isolation cast. Pseudo-isolation. Still been playing a lot of uh, online Kings of War. But uh, mm-hmm. I haven't had a in-person game as yet. You played one recently, Benson? Um, did I? Not uh, not a physical game. No, not that I remember. I was I think just it's asking pretty much the question. All online. <laughs> <laughs> all online. Yeah. So we've been playing in a few different events online and um, utilizing a few different systems. We talked about mm-hmm. this a little bit on the last cast, I believe, or the last missive. Is that correct? Yeah, I think we did. Yeah, cool. It's been so long. <laughs> yeah. It's been a little while, but we um, have been continuing to plug away with that business. And uh, for me, at least, learning to love Tabletop Simulator and continuing to loathe UB. Ooh. Universal battle, yeah. <laughs> Bit rough on the old UB there, mate. <laughs> yeah, loathe is probably a strong word. I, I just uh, It just doesn't connect with the receptors in my brain awfully well it's not the fault of the program and i still pay the creators you know i still have my subscription stuff i think what they're doing is awesome so no no, uh nothing down on them it's just that i'm i'm the special one that can't quite get it is that just because it's a top-down view i theorize that's got something to do with it yeah because i find that the distance even though it's still harder to judge than in real life because obviously you can't see it as you could for a real life person but the tts sort of slightly slanted view and the fact that you can zoom around and get down to a model's eye view or whatever if you want and the fact that the models are 3d combined to the point where it feels enough like a normal game that even though sometimes the moving of the actual units is quite jankety but definitely more so than you be um Mm. i find that it just i can just play more naturally like i feel more confident and i don't do as many derpy mistakes where i like just couldn't see a really obvious like flank charge or what have you as just seems to happen all the time on ub because yeah it's i think it's that perspective yeah yeah i almost find it the complete opposite Hugh. so the top down view particularly with some of the options that you can turn on Mm -hmm. i find that i can concentrate and see all those flank charges or at least consider them yeah i still make a, a hell of a lot of mistakes and I think that if we have a look back into last year, uh, pre-COVID, uh, I, I thought that it really helped my game. So it's like, well, if I would perceive this as a, a top-down sort of situation, how would I view the game? That's interesting. Yeah, others have said that as well. Yeah, different strokes for different folks, I guess. It's just a slightly different way of playing. And certainly you can play to a high degree of accuracy on UB. Like you can play count the lines all the time and forget whether the blue line means six or eight or whatever. I don't know why. Probably to our detriment as well because you can't do that um, physically. Yeah, and it's just what you're used to too because obviously I've played primarily IRL. Uh, getting mm. Grabbing the um, tape measure out quickly as it were or just holding tab in the case of TTS and just measuring between units and eyeballing things and stuff I just find so much more natural while I was even trying to wrangle a tape measure in UB is just, I find <laughs> it challenging and... I don't know, Andrew just chills on um channel like on Discord or whatever and just laughs at me while I stuff it up. Yeah, he does the same to me. <laughs> so we're talking about tournaments. So at the moment, I um, am in three different tournaments on the go. So we have crazy. Rage of Isolation 2, which is uh, currently running. Call to Arms 4, which is starting to wrap up. There's only one more round to go. And also the Kings of TTS, I think it's called, for tabletop simulator that's just started so we've done our first round on that one mm. as far as we know the first ever tabletop simulator online kings of war tournament um, yeah i'm pretty sure i don't think there's ever been any others and the creator of the tournament is the same guy who made one of the maps uh, you can subscribe to on tabletop simulator uh, which is mm-hmm. freaking awesome uh so the, playing tabletop simulator playing all kinds of board games on it and stuff now um some of the, what are they called? I guess they're not exactly mods, but they're like 
I don't know, I guess copies of games. <laughs> what else do you want to call them? Mm. Um, you can subscribe to them from the workshop in Steam. And some are a lot better than others. And certainly armies more so than just about anything else. So I've, I've been collecting like uh, Warhammer 6th edition armies and building armies for that online to play occasionally with Spoon for shits and giggles. Mm-hmm. Um, and the the quality varies enormously. Anything from like shoddy 2D models that don't stand up properly and won't won't wheel properly and stuff right the way through to scripted models that look appropriate for the unit have all got the same basing and stuff they're the right size and then um and and things like that and so the the head honcho guy for tts whose name is carl booth carl booth um has created um this thing called kings of war useful stuff which you can subscribe to and it's a vast understatement it's a Blank board as you it's start with. Very useful it's stuff. Ridiculously <laughs> useful stuff. So it's got heaps of set armies that you can search through and create an army on the fly by pulling out the units. Not all the armies in the game, but he's made a lot of them. And each of those unit bases, you can change their um, version, I suppose, and it gives you the arcs of sight, and it also lets you move them on a um, on a perpendicular it's plane. X and Y. Yeah, like a that's right, like an X and Y um, right angles kind of movement which is super helpful when you're moving the units around and also it helps you to rotate them accurately because otherwise tts only lets you rotate 15 degrees at a time which is not always enough for kings of war when you want to get mm. it just just so just perfect um so it gives you the ability to free rotate it as well so not only has it got that but then it's got heaps of different boards all you have to do is drag the board on and it will like build the board for you um and then all the trains nicely sort of locked in place so that you don't uh, you know, you don't have to accidentally move it and you can change the hills to make them flat and there's just so many little quality of life improvements in playing on that board. That And then there's the dice. Makes it so much more fun. There's the dice, yeah. There's a dice calculator kind of thing. Like I, I, I've had a few situations lately in some of my games where I'm rolling like 60 dice and you just like grab 10 dice copy, paste, 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 or whatever, or maybe you grab 30 dice, whatever it is, and it will count the number of dice for you and then you can chuck it in this little roller and it will roll them out so that you can see exactly how many of each number you've rolled and things like that, which is just so quick and easy. Um, it's, I suppose it's as quick and easy, if not slightly less quick and easy than uh, UB, to be fair, but it just feels so much more satisfying to be rolling mm. actual dice yeah. or simulations of actual dice. <laughs> yes, so they've all got... Uh, physicality to them so if you just press r to roll you can highlight all the dice keep tapping r to give them a good spin and they just kind of roll up in the air and bounce back down Mm -hmm. and then you don't feel as cheated once you get crappy numbers sky's the limit with the platform yeah you can do all kinds of different um models and things most of them are on existing warhammer or um you know or built on existing uh kings of war models and things like that and some of them are like proxied like i was using uh corn juggernaut rider things from warhammer as a dwarf on beast uh no not as no, i've got a dwarf lord on a on a bear which works perfectly ah, okay that. right but the, i was using them for um uh the snow beasties the large frost, cow, fang. frost fang that's the one yep so hordes of frost fang were um, represented by them and you can just rename the unit so it's really obvious what they are your opponent hovers their mouse over them and it sees what they are and you, you can also like name it in a similar way to UB, you can write what magic items they've got, or, or even stats. You can even write their their whole stat line in there if you want. Yeah, so it gives you gives you the flexibility there. But sometimes for certain armies, uh, especially the ones that Carl hasn't touched yet, you might need to do a bit of searching around on um, on other platforms and stuff to actually find the appropriate models or, or the basing mm. that you want and things like that. If you put enough time and effort into it and play with the system enough, you can get it to work. And you can even design your own models, but that's a whole different. Like that requires a fair bit of that's the next level developer <laughs> skill, I think, to to manage that. So it sounds like it's a hell of a lot more realistic and more immersive than uh, UB two. Very much so for me. Which yeah, no, and uh, I think that's something that I'm definitely missing. I can't wait for a a real actual game of Kings of War uh, with my models. But uh, how, how's the actual tournament of TTS going? Well, it's only just started. Um... Oh, I've made been going for just over a week. Could be two. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've—I know you—you've played your opponent. I've played mine for the first round. Um, yeah. That's at fair. the moment, it's just a choose a points li- uh, level. And um, has he generated the scenarios that we have to follow? 
think the first one was pillage or something. But you just pick your, your lists just to make it a bit more free for the players. Yeah, so the two formats for the two tournaments that I'm in at the moment, um, Benson might want to explain the third that, that he's in as well. But the mm. TTS one's very open. It's just like play, just meet up with your opponent once every two weeks. Uh, it's anyone in the world. Um, it's, you know, whatever you want to bring. You can bring any army, any points limit, just agree with your opponent uh, and just battle it out. And then he's just got like the mm. first four scenarios in the book or something as the games. And it's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. So it goes for eight weeks in theory, if, if indeed it takes as long as that. So you, you, you can organize your next game once every two weeks. Although, as Benson said, it's only been going for a week and everyone's played their first round. So I think the next one might be coming up soon. Um, mm. But yeah, the other tournament is almost the opposite. There's a lot more restrictions than we're used to for normal Kings of War trying to change it up for Rage of Isolation 2, isn't it? Yes, yeah, so it's um, unlike Rage of uh, Kings of TTS. It's fixed list at 1850 points. But then it's also got some further restrictions based on the Call to Arms 4 rank- current rankings and what armies were doing well and what armies were doing poor there. So from, with the 1850... Uh, further restrictions are that you can only take three of a particular unit max. Uh, mm-hmm. So you can't spam regiments of something. You can only have maximum of three of that particular unit. But then only two of a particular size. So two regiments and a troop, two regiments and a horde, two hordes and a regiment, that kind of configuration um, of the, the one unit. Mm-hmm. And I don't know about you, but I haven't found that too limiting at all. <sighs> Not at all. No, I don't think that's too much of a restriction. Um it just stops those sort of really, really spammy armies, I guess. But uh, I don't think any of us have been playing that anyway. No, you don't tend to do that in real life, but I think there's a, could be a tendency to do it online a bit. Like someone just turns up with like six mm-hmm. regiments of uh, Rev Cav or something that no one could be bothered yes. painting in real life, but because <laughs> it's online, they're like, why not? But uh, you also can't take any... I wanted, no to say, I wanted to say Regiment of Renown, but that's not what it is. Uh, you can't living legends. Living legends. Yeah, you can't. But they're not called living legends, really, either, are they? They're. They're. Um. That's an limited old term. Even though it said it that in the plays back, I think. Limited units. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't take uh, units which are sort of zero to one in the army list. Those unique units, which are sometimes actual units and sometimes uh, characters and things like that. Uh, and then, last but not least, the most important restriction <laughs> uh, is that I think Michael, the guy running the tournament, uh, wanted to give it a bit of variety as in we want to play some lists that we never see and we thought hey mm-hmm. it's online uh why can't we play some lists that we never see instead of playing like heaps of undead and heaps of um, abyssal dwarves and stuff uh, those lists that people see as the most powerful in the meta at the moment let's change it up by giving everything a tier and what did he base the tiers on benson so it was the call to arms for rankings at the time because they've been producing or someone's been producing stats after each of the rounds to show which armies were taken, which had the most kill points, um, the most objective points, uh, that sort of Mm. thing. And Undead and Salamanders are way up there with the amount of games that uh, people have been taking Mm. them to, as well as their win rates. Yeah, so he based on a combination of win rate and just quantity of games played, wasn't it? He created a list with um, five tiers. So the top tier was minus 10 tournament points. Then next down from that's minus five. Then zero, there was a middle tier, which you get, you don't get any bonus or negative. And then you get a plus five and a plus 10 for playing those lower tier kind of armies. And that's so significant. Mm. So it's 20 points between undead and, I don't know, free dwarves, for example, which are in the bottom tier. Um, yeah. It's so, so significant, in fact, that it virtually meant that everyone won, in my view, reading the pack, I'm like, everyone's going to take a plus 10 list or a plus five maybe if they're really keen to try them out or or whatever. And that was more or less the case, yeah. But there's also some bonuses on that. So if you haven't played a particular that particular army in a tournament before, you'll get an extra 10 points. Is that right? So in the last two years, if you haven't played that in a registered tournament inside Australia, uh, we've got obviously our ranking system over here all tracked uh you got a bonus 10 points yeah yeah it was was very interesting to see what people picked and why um and as we're talking now uh only one round's gone through and goblins is up the top there with three dwarfs in second and the league of audio is third Mm. with our our brother in arms andrew whitehead 
absolutely Indeed. dominating. Yeah, Andrew's been kicking goals lately. Goblins are going to be quite powerful uh, because the way that Call to Arms is is pick a points limit and pick a scenario and away you go. Mm-hmm. And they haven't been doing too well because a lot of the really strong, quite spammy, off, or often quite spammy armies are there and they... I don't think the goblins have the oomph to take them on, mm-hmm. which is why they haven't done so well. And therefore, in Rage of Isolation 2, they've been marked as very weak and given the, the bonus points there. Yeah, and I think uh, perhaps uh, Mike was particularly keen to get people to just take unit armies that you don't see that much. Perhaps it was more important really than the power level even um, mm. and incentivizing it for that reason. It too goes without saying that the higher power armies are also the ones that you see more of. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that sort of comes by the by. But I feel like um, the it was probably a little heavy-handed in my view, the amount of points between the tiers. Yeah. I think you could have encouraged people really strongly by making it like even plus two, plus one, zero, minus one, minus two or something. Even something as small as that uh, or two, four, six, whatever you wanted to do. But... Uh, in any case, what we've ended up with is a bizarre tournament that we'll probably never see the likes of again. So that's kind of cool. Like it's just all free dwarves and raw deer and stuff like that everywhere and we're all uh, duking it out through the forests that we're all ignoring the terrain penalties of. <laughs> I really like the um, bonus for not uh, for playing an army that you haven't played before. I think that should be pushed a bit more rather than nerfing particular armies because if you've if you take a powerful army... Generally speaking, you would have used one before, you've practiced with it. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't used it before, then you might not be very good with it, even if it is a good strong list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I can totally understand where he's coming from, though. Yeah, I'm sick of playing bloody undead. Yeah. <laughs> Elliot Moorish, uh, massive call out to you. I don't know where you live in the world, but I follow your stats for Call to Arms. I'm not even involved in the tournament at all, but I read your stats more than probably any other human around other than yourself. <laughs> Uh, because I'm a massive fan of A stats and Kings of Wars, but some <laughs> of the stats that you are pulling out is really telling a massive story at the moment. And then uh, to extend his net of evil control even further, uh, Michael has designed the map for each round on Ultimate Battle and assigned the mission and things like that as well. So we've got uh, uh, an exact map. It's it's very much like a like a RL tournament, I suppose except with more restrictions on your army, and you turn up with the map already built for you, that kind of thing, um, and whack your stuff on the table. While as the TTS tournament we're playing in is almost the exact opposite, uh, I think Kyle wanted to keep it very open to begin with, which I think is cool. Um, Mm. And Rage of Isolation 2 is all Australians. I think there's one American in it. Is is that correct? Um, While as the uh, tabletop simulator tournament is a, a spread of people from... All over the world. It's quite a small tournament. There's only like a dozen people in it uh, at the moment. I think it'll take some time to grow. uh, Completely unfamiliar format and all that. But Carl's just keen to get people out there, trying out the models, trying out the system. Um, I think most people will be completely new to it. There'll be the first few games on it. So, uh, And he seems also quite keen for people to report back because he's the one who's sort of uh, pushed all of this and can change um, or fix problems with the movement trays or whatever mm. else so the more people that play the more people that test it and report back mm. and then you can fix it and make it even better yeah and the ub tournament is uh, a, an entry tournament with a prize as usual it's sponsored which is great uh the tabletop simulator tournament is just a freebie muck aroundy kind of thing which gives it such a different vibe which is really interesting it's just an opportunity to meet someone on the other side of the world try it out um i think you've got to be very lenient with your opponent's movement and stuff because it's quite a tricky system to get used to at first for your first mm. game or two. Um, so, yeah, it's been yeah, it's been an interesting weekend because I've played my first game in each of these events and I've had such a different style to them. Um, the Australian one seems very competitive. Um, you know, <laughs> most of the people playing on it play UB a lot. Most of the people playing yep. are in it like – pretty much the top 10 players in Australia or something approaching that are in the event. So even though it's a relatively small event, it's just full of killers. <laughs> well, as the, the TTS event, uh, I, don't, I have no idea of the calibre of the players in the event necessarily, but um, yeah, it's just a different style and it's more of a learning experience. Mm. My opponent for the Kings of TTS, he was new to third and 
hasn't haven't really played on TTS at all, so it was a um, kind of like a learning game for him. So I was explaining some of the new changes that third brings from second. Yeah, tell us how the game went then overall. Yeah, it was good. Uh, a bit start to slow because uh, it's a bit slow to start because of a new platform for for everyone. But once you get to the groove of it, then um, it flows quite well. We found. Um, but the game that we played, um, I was up against dwarves, very similar list to what you had. Um, mm-hmm. Not so heavy on the uh, dwarf lords on massive defense sixes, but instead he took the uh, steel behemoth with the <laughs> Golux Fury upgrade. Uh, mm-hmm. That was fun. <laughs> and some very, very precise sharpshooter troops. Oh yeah, which did a few janky things and a few silly things. He, I think, he tried taking off my Morpop launcher from across the board three times and deal, dealt one damage, two damage, and just couldn't take it off. Oh no! Until towards the end, but then towards the end, he's oh, I can see a wizard there. He's just in sight. I'll take him a shot at sixes because the cover an individual gets a six, does oh, one damage, no. <laughs> rolls nine or ten <laughs> twice, wow. and takes Rubbish. it off. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, he had two flame priests as well, who were trying their darndest to get rid of a flag dude that I had, and they would hit six or seven times, no damage, <laughs> <laughs> on three or four rounds. It was quite funny. Sounds like a weird. Um, and then those stupid game. sharpshooters took him off. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the sharpshooters. Uh, but yeah, that was a that was a close game. Um, quite good. Yeah, I played um my man Jimmy Stout, who uh, cool name actually. Uh, he Great sounds name. like a gangster. Um, but he's a oh, what was the name of my opponent? I don't know if you've got it there. Just to give him a shout out. Oh, I don't. Sorry, no. Michael. Michael is there. Michael. Um, I enjoyed playing Jimmy. Uh, he's an American. He was playing from get this, like two in the morning until like five in the morning his time, uh, which is insane. Dedication. He's, uh, he's yeah. eighteen hours behind me, but he was a <laughs> he was a night shift worker. So he was explaining to me that um, works in hospitals and stuff and. Uh, he was actually on call early that night, so he was going to, you know, it was totally usual for him to go to bed at 6, 7 a.m. Like he was having dinner when we finished at 5 a.m. Like he was just making mm. dinner. So, uh, yeah, like proper night shift, like legitimate night day night shift kind of dude. Um, but he was a lovely bloke. I really enjoyed just chatting away with him. Um, we were both a little lenient with each other at times. Um, I... Uh, forgot a thing or two and you know he sort of allowed some backsies and likewise the other way around uh including <laughs> including about halfway through turn two uh he went first so he'd only he'd only sort of missed one turn so far he's like oh no i've forgotten a necromancer so he'd forgotten to deploy a necromancer <laughs> in his list uh and i'm like oh just paratroop him on somewhere just like <laughs> just whack him on the board wherever just throw him on <laughs> just chuck him on like it was it was what is it the 40k thing deep strike deep or? strike yep. yeah just deep, deep strike. strike we should have done that we should have rolled it and he gets lost in the warp on a double one or something <laughs> no he just like turned up behind the revenants which is like totally where he would have been standing anyway had he uh, been deployed um and i think he was just like a cheap 55 point surge bloke or something so uh he wouldn't have done anything at that point in the game anyway. So it didn't really affect things too much, but we both uh, had a few kind of moments like that. And you've got to be lenient with the controls. It's like I was teaching Jimmy, I found, even though I just played the one game uh, ahead of time on the system, using in Kings of War anyway, I'd played the system a bit more uh, in sixth edition with Spoon, as I mentioned. But uh, so, you know, showing him how to like measure things and how to rotate the units and stuff, which I think mm. is the the point of the event really. Um, but he was playing a very powerful undead list. Uh, seemed kind of like one of those ones that you, you. I don't know if he maybe plays it all the time. He's, he's been playing a bit of Kings of War, I think, in person over there. Definitely seemed like a player who knew what he was about, knew how to make a good list and play a good event and stuff. Um, and yeah, I um, I creamed him. Frankly, in the end, I, I did a quite a bit, quite a number on him, and ended up winning twenty to one. Um, getting all five of the objectives as well in the pillage scenario, which was which was good. Um, and I was playing for the first time. I'd, I thought I'd try out, <laughs> having never put them on the uh, tournament before, Northern Alliance. Because um, I've been thinking about building a Northern Alliance army IRL, so I thought, stuff it, we'll just play 2,000 points, let's go. Mm-hmm. Uh, first time TTS. So they went really well. They did kind of 
everything I wanted them to, to be honest. There was a few uh, lucky moments on my part, but um, yeah, they did really well, even against... How many Frostfang did you take? I took two Hordes and a Lord on Frostfang. So I took heaps of Frostfangs. Uh, and then outside of that, I tried to make an army that like represented all the different races. So I had dwarfs, men, elves, half-elves, like, a, like a, different units of, of everything. Uh, but it was surprisingly synergistic little army. It did, did everything I wanted it to, smattering of shooting, smattering of combat. bit elite, but um, I think Northern Alliance is a reasonably elite army. Maybe I've just been making too many Ratkin lists, but it feels mm, pretty elite. Unless you take lots of clansmen. Yeah, like heaps of hordes of clansmen. But even clansmen cost more than the basic elf dudes and the basic dwarf dudes. Um, so even the human clansmen, yeah, they're not that cheap. Um, there's, they're like 145 points a regiment or something like that. Like they're, they're getting up there. Um, uh, it could be it could be misquoted. <laughs> that was a bit of a guesstimate. But in, in any case, yeah, the Frostfang were absolutely world beaters, especially the Lord on Frostfang. He just went through the whole army like a hot knife through a butter, like just got into a flank and just chopped his way to victory. Nine attacks oh, on threes to hit and crush three is insane. Yeah, that's pretty... Pretty big. Yeah. He's like a dwarf lord, but better. Um, and he's only 190 points. Yeah, he's bloody good. I gave him the... And very inspiring. So he, wow. he, he comes in with it's eight, um, but you give him the... the Ten point snow fox. The snow fox mm. for an extra attack and blade of slashing. So he was, I think, 205 um, for a unit that has, yeah, movement seven. Comes with strider. So it doesn't give his rats about terrain. Uh Wounds everything on twos pretty much, has heaps of attacks. Very, 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 very reliable. Like he just mm. was destroying everything. So, yeah, he was uh, monstrous and the the uh, very inspiring was very good as well. But, yeah, the the whole army did, sort of did what it said on the tin. Human clansmen are like bloody salamanders with wild charge. Yeah, the whole army's on got fours, good units. It's got good units in like every slot. Like they're all – I think they're a bit – underrated jimmy was telling me that he sees it a fair bit in his meta the northern alliance but i um, haven't seen mm. it much in australia yet i think people just haven't got their hands on the models haven't got around to building the the list much yet because we haven't mm. i haven't seen it much on these tables but i think it definitely can be competitive you can take it in like a really you know cheesy way i guess if you want to but even with a bit of this bit of that everywhere it can play in a heap of different ways i reckon you can be really skirmishy you can be really hoardy, um, or at least hitty, you know, hordes. Uh, and you can also... <laughs> really offensive. Yeah, really offensive. Melee offensive, yeah. Or you can be really shooty, or you can be, you know, quite aggressive cav kind of forces as well. And you can take heaps of monsters. Yeah, you can take it in heaps of different ways. I really, really like the list. It's just a smooth, flexible list. What about Call to Arms? Like, you guys played in the first... Call to Arms. Uh, I think they're like five rounds now. Uh, Call to Arms, that's the international one, yeah? Yeah, so this is number four. This is the first time I'm playing in it. Um, yeah, I, I'm getting kind of bored of it. There's six rounds total and we've played five. Um, the sixth round hasn't been posted yet. I expect that to be done within the next week. But the format on that one is... is Pick a number, pick an army, pick a scenario, roll a map, mm-hmm. and that's it. And have at it. Yep. With no restrictions from that. And it started off okay. So the first round I was up against uh, Sean Brennan. I just took a decent salamander list against his dwarfs and kind of rolled over him mm-hmm. on that one. He just didn't move very far and made a couple of odd choices. But salamanders are a tough army and he... Um, just couldn't take them out. Uh, a couple of poor rolls on some guns or whatever. It's funny how night and day salamanders have gone from second to third. End. I know. They were terrible in second. Um, but then in second round, I've played uh, Tom Robinson. Um, I took Night Stalkers that I thought was going to be quite mobile because I think it was Invade or something. And he had uh, almost an entire army of Revcav. Yeah. So hordes and regiments and troops backed up by Morgoth. The, uh, the 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 stupid and uh, vampire on peg and mm-hmm. that combined with dice that I roll on UB which isn't good <laughs> made for a very made for a very poor game when you're throwing eighteen lightning bolt and doing one damage on a troop and you think okay this isn't going to work 
mm. and then you can't move because he's chaffed you up and then you he hits you with a troop and then you waver with your regiment of punchy dudes mm. <laughs> it's, it's kind of collapsed Dice won't go um, and that's where i started to think maybe this pick whatever you want every single game and sort of kind of tailor it to the scenario isn't is very good to the way that i like to play things yeah, but it depends on um, what you like to play, right? Like, if you still want to play a list that's fairly fun, I think you need to avoid taking a million units of the same thing. But certainly, even, like, a million Revenants, Cav models notwithstanding, like, there's no discouragement at all for taking the most powerful list possible. And you could argue that there's not in a normal of Kings of War event in real life as well. But I feel like there's a lot of... Like, because you're meeting face-to-face and things like that, like, there's a lot of kind of social controls around taking just 10 units yep. of RevCav as an example or whatever. But then even even that not happening, like, you've got to build and paint all those units. And if the army's really boring to play, you're never going to finish that army, you know? Like, you're never going to do that, put that effort in in real life. Very few players will, and that'll be a huge deterrent. Maybe there'll be one in a tournament of 100 who brings a list like that, but for the most part, people won't. Well, with, when all of those controls aren't there, there's this, yeah, there's not just some people will just go, oh, I don't care about this guy. I'm not going to like even bother to talk to him on um, uh, Discord or whatever. Discord, I, I yeah. find that a little bit troublesome, although I understand in some cases people have their reasons. But when you're like, oh, I'm just going to say the minimum to this person, just type in chat every now and again. And just play this obscene list that I would never that I'd get laughed out of a hobby shop for bringing in. You know, that, that, that's a bit unfortunate, isn't it? Curious to know if our listeners think that um, that gaming etiquette shapes the way that we create lists or mm. the armies that we take. I mean, also it doesn't help that day. It was pretty rough with work. It was a long day, and I decided to hit the drink just to forget about it. And so it was, Tom was real good with uh, controlling the game and just kind of pointing me, all right, now you've got to do this, now you've got to roll for this, and kind of driving the thing. But I think the way that the tournament is, there's no kind of um, backlash for taking a one-sided army like that because in a normal tournament you'd come up another, you'd have mm. to play that same army, and then you'd come probably come up against a counter. Yeah. yeah. So you've got that rock, paper, scissors, but in this there's nothing. People yeah. see that and think, okay, now I've got to take spears, but it's too late. That's already happened. You can take a rock to round one and paper to round two and scissors to round three yeah. Yeah, if you want. I think the CTA stats even back some of that up. So mm-hmm. Undead having 48 games, that they're a very mm-hmm. objective, versatile army. So they can be fast, they yeah. can be anvil, they can have a lot of unit mm-hmm. strength, a lot of drops. Um, and I think that's really coming through in just from a statistical point of view. Mm. Yeah, it's where people's heads go, I guess, as well. If they're truly like being army diverse i think a lot of people just play will play like an army that's that they already know well because they just uh, they think oh, i'm in a tournament i want to like play seriously and stuff i don't want to yeah be looking things up in a rule book the whole time which is fair enough. which is fine as well yeah yeah but like i think when you see a scenario where you're like oh it'd be really good to be a defensive army in this maybe your brain goes straight to undead it's kind of easy to think that way while as when like you see a scenario where you go oh, this would be perfect for this kind of army. Like some of the more sort of obscure middle-of-the-road ones, nobody's going to be like, this is the perfect League of Rodia list, like scenario or something. Mm. Um, This is the one built for kingdoms of men. (laughs) There probably are those things, but I don't think that's necessarily where people's heads go when they have the whole gamut of different armies available to them. They're just thinking from these top-tier armies, like which is the best for this scenario kind of thing. Yeah, I still believe that there's army counters, so like uh, a rock to your scissors mm. sort of thing. But I think the critical thing and where some armies are really excelling is that they can also be the, the rock to your scissors, but they can compete at the objectives just as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what makes an army a top-tier army. So you think what Benson was trying to say when he's saying that like goblins were uh, struggling against uh, a lot of those kinds of spammy armies in the field is that goblins are good at like taking a spread out uh lots of different units like medium scenario kind of approach they're not that kind of like massively honed in one direction kind of army and that they they can come up against armies that just when they're too perfectly designed for the objective and for just slaying as many dudes as quickly as possible then they're going to struggle yeah that's right 
And a lot of people have been playing 2300 point games, which is quite a bit larger. And I think goblins struggle with that because mm. they're great at having a lot of units on the field, but when their opponent has mm. a lot of units as well. Yeah, I, th- I think that that's something that people don't think about often enough, like especially if they don't play games regularly at different points levels. Like if you just always play 2000 or your meta always plays 2300 or whatever, armies definitely mm. vary in in like power level at different points amounts quite significantly especially when you get really low when you get into like the really low points hordish armies tend to be better and when you get in the really high points um hordish armies tend to be worse because you've still got the same amount of space on the battlefield often and you've still got mm. you know yeah. a critical mass of yeah armies like elves have to sacrifice oh i'm gonna have one less um you know uh, inspiring unit here in this points level or i'm gonna have not that critical mass of flyers to really threaten this, that, or critical mass of shooting mm. to really be able to shoot off the chaff, or they're going to have to make sacrifices as well as like armies like uh, goblins and maybe to an extent like humans and ratkin and things like that. Like don't mind as much in 2000. Often you feel like you can get most of what you want into an army, but then when you go to 3000 as an example, um, you sort of still got all of what you want and then you started doubling up on units well, as someone like elves is like when you can have your cake and eat it as well, they they change in power level significantly. Mm. 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 It's definitely a thing. Coming back to Call to Arms, up, up until third round, I was still playing 2,300-point games, which I was starting to get tired of because the armies were just... I just feel like there's no drawback. Mm. Like, I can take just about everything that I want. You, prefer, about the two, you prefer that middle ground where um, you've got to make some sacrifices? I want to feel like I've I've got like a, deci- a decision to put a unit is in there is because I'm going for a particular strategy, not because I'm trying to fill out points or it's a good unit, so I'm just going to mm-hmm. multiply it, mm-hmm. the unit that I've got. Fair enough. So, which is why in the third round I went back to Salamanders because I did well in the first round, got smashed in the second. All right, let's let's play something competitive again in the third, and came up against James Mitchell and he was playing mm-hmm. Twilight Kin. Uh, which I beat him as well. Hey. But I think uh, he was very defensive. He had a, a fairly aggressive army, but kind of got stuck on one side and didn't want to charge me because he was afraid mm-hmm. of the counter charge. And so I could kind of clean up a, a flank and then it all it was a bit too late for him in turns four or five, four, five six, which uh, gave me the win. And then after that, I'm, I was getting tired. I think, bugger this. What is this tournament? Like, I'm just playing games with people and the rankings mm-hmm. is telling me who to play. So I was up against Mike Adkins, who's been hosting the um, the live plays, the, the streams for Dash 28. Yep, uh, yep. that was which great. you might have seen there. And he agreed to play something stupid, like a, a weirdo points level. Uh, so I just picked a random number, 2170, and that's what we played. So good on him for... <laughs> for play gaming on that one to um let me do that just to jazz it up again because i was getting bored and then i took goblins because goblins haven't been picked very much and they weren't doing well and maybe i can score a point for the goblins but it didn't happen uh ub dice i think <laughs> there was some real stinker dice on there so he's he was playing undead like everyone else um and he had whites and wraiths and defense six stuff and flying dudes and it was quite tough but when you have have a boom wagon charge the rear of a white horde, you think it would do some damage. I actually saw that. That was sad. Yeah, and that was disappointing. What, nine attacks on threes I to thought, hit. Stupid UB. Yeah, and only ended up doing a eight damage. Each hit out of does all of that. D6 pierce three. D6 yeah, they all blast, blast D6. Yeah. 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 So I was hoping to take it off with that, aver- and that didn't the work. The average is. <laughs> but- do you want to know? <laughs> Forty-two. <laughs> 42, so 42 yeah. hits. So 8, I think, is a bit wound, under. So we're talking 36 wounds or something. But um, they were even worse. In the next game, I played uh, Sam and Sam from Spain. Um, goblins again, because he was taking... Well, I was going to go with uh, Forces of Nature, and he showed me his list, and it was Herd. And I thought, oh, great. So it's kind of like a theme list versus master list. That's going to be a bit boring. And he allowed me to change it to Goblins. And I just thought because they're both not doing well, if someone gets a win, it'll boost their stats. So it's a positive either <laughs> way. But he took a, a, an entirely minimum speed nine nimble pathfinder army in 
lichen hordes and beast packs and harpies and beasts of nature with um, the wolf characters. Yeah, that army was like the fastest I've ever seen, I think. Everything was nimble and nine Hmm. as a minimum. (laughs) The scenario was invade as well, so it really worked nicely for his army. Yeah, he just pushed straight up, <laughs> so, and I was struggling there. But yeah. I thought I did okay, especially when you think that one of my boom wagons charged two units separately. Like the first time, it didn't it hit it hit or ran into something for a fight, missed all of its attacks, so it didn't blow up. It flew away and killed something else, and then it went and charged another unit, missed all of its attacks, <laughs> and didn't blow up. Yeah. <laughs> What is yeah. wrong with my boom wagons? They don't know, have a fuse. It's like or the opposite <laughs> of the real life boom wagons. They've, you've used, I tell you, you've used all my mm. all their luck against me in those early few games, and now they're just fizzling all the time. But uh, that was a very yeah, scrappy game. game. I, I watched the last few turns of that game, and you very nearly fought it back, which was cool because his army was super fast. But of course, it was a bit of a glass cannon. There mm. was definitely you had a lot of chances where it was like, oh, I need like a eight to break it, and didn't quite get there on in the shooting phase and things like that. And get yep. a seven, yeah. It was just multiple times I just needed one extra damage dice or one extra something and it just, yeah, lots of waivers and not enough distru- uh, routing, which is tough when um, the army mm, regenerates yeah, as well. Yeah, I remember having a look about halfway through that game and I was like, oh, you're in a pretty good spot. You had a lot of wounds on a lot of units. Um, and then I caught the last turn and it was just like they were still on very similar amounts, but your units were gone. There were definitely a lot of times where Benson was just scrapping out just enough wounds to, uh, I'm sure your opponent would have been just, you know, really squeezing those cheeks because there was heaps of route rolls there. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> if it had gone the other way, like one or two different. Yeah, as you said. Um, and often they, they ma- that makes for really fun mm. games. I think that would have been a really fun game in person. Um, I'm sure it was still good online, mm. but it, it was one of those ones that, you know, when if you and your opponent both like, looking at each other from across the table and another really hairy role being like, ooh, what's it going to be? That could have been really cool. But adding to that is the scoring system, which I'm not a fan of, the Northern Kings system. So with that one, a win is 15 points, draw 10. If you lose, you get five points. And then you have an extra up to five points bonus for killing and then five points bonus for the amount of uh, victory points or scenario points so you can get a maximum of 25 so even a draw doesn't feel right like with that last game it was very close but even then it was like a 20 to something and it just didn't quite sit well the way it how swingy that right, system right. gets we're getting used to the blackjack system there's no middle ground i don't the think the blackjack system is um a really good system that feel i feel like it really accurately reflects the uh, timber of the battle at the end uh, more often than not. There's always going to be some of those games where it was like really close and then it was a fairly swingy thing at the end. But because, you know, someone, I don't know, got a few lucky rolls at the end, took out some key units and then got the objectives or something like that. But for the most part, because points like attrition always factors into it to a degree, but it's still mainly about the objective. um, I think it's just such Mm -hmm. a great system. And I don't know if... People around the world use it that much outside of Australia, do they? Because we, we, I asked because we're using it for the TTS tournament, um, which is a worldwide one. Mm. Uh, so I don't know if other, you know, American tournaments and uh, European tournaments and stuff use it. Well, they sure. should be. No, it's not just used in Australia. Definitely used overseas. Uh, very sure that the US. Masters uses blackjack as their tournament scoring thing. Um, I totally agree with you guys, though, that it definitely represents the game better um, than most tournament packs that I've seen. Yeah, if you get a 21-0 in that system, or even a 20-1, to that's that's usually like a total one-sided drubbing. Like, you need to have almost your whole army on the board, and they have to have almost nothing. And there should be maybe a point limit for that kind of achievement when it's that significant a swing but when you've lost three quarters of their army and they've lost all of theirs um that shouldn't be a 21 zip i think in most cases if you know what i mean like if, if the margin is smaller yeah yeah because, yeah, you've only because got you should left, yeah. be winning by you know you can win but because you can win by so much more than that in effect on the battlefield there should be a you know a, a wider point differential to represent that 
One thing that I found interesting was they had the kill scenario in Call to Arms, but they made a slight adjustment in that there were some objective tokens on the board um, that give you bonus points. So it wasn't... I mean, kill was still the main objective deal, yeah. um, but then you could spread your army out and um, get those bonus objectives. I like that. Still, yeah. still yeah. It was a nice bump, but mm. it's still kill. I don't mind kill. I think it's needed to sort of level out and... I think there's some armies that are great at kill that just suck heavily at the scenarios, but I can also understand that um, it, it's a bit bland. I so. find it a bit bland. Mm. I, I prefer like uh, in blackjack, there's always an element of kill involved because there's always an element of kill anyway, uh, just because killing your opponent is a, yeah. you know always part of it. But then there's also the fact that you're rewarded in every blackjack scenario for killing things and for killing key units and you can claw some points back that way and stuff. I don't think you need a scenario where that's the only thing as well because it's already involved in every other scenario. Like to me that's just as mm-hmm. boring as making it nothing but objectives, like which is in fact it's more boring than that to be fair. But the standard kind of feel where you're rewarded only for objectives and nothing for killing your opponent's army can sometimes feel too swingy as well. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I just like the dynamic. Um, in Rage of Isolation 2, um, I was up against Pavel who's playing his elves and I'm playing Forces of Nature. And it's 1850 points, but the attrition on that game, I mean, it was super close. I only killed 755 of his army and he only killed 515 mm-hmm. of mine. So there's still heaps of stuff on the table. And that game felt like a draw and that came out in, in mm-hmm. the results because um, it was like 11 mm-hmm. to 9 or mm-hmm. something. I think that's how it should be. Not this massive swing that Northern Kings can mm. provide. In any case, uh, lots of different formats with lots of different tournaments going on at the moment, which is uh, which is interesting. I think uh, to be able to play online with yeah. not only different uh, tournament formats, but totally different games, basically like a different system to play the game. Mm. Uh, which is... people need to play more tabletop simulator. Yeah, absolutely. Like if you if you love UB and you're playing a lot of that. Make the effort of moving over to Tabletop Simulator and giving it a go. Uh, the game only costs about 30 bucks if you pay for it full price. You pay once, you don't have to pay an ongoing subscription. And then you can play every tabletop game you can just about imagine uh, for free, mm. like all these different board games and stuff like that. Uh, if you play we've other had, tabletop we've had games. some fun with the War of Whispers board game. Yeah, that one's really that cool. I, actually would, I don't think that's something that we would have experienced otherwise had it not been tabletop. That's right. And I, if I see it in a shop sometime, I'll, I'll pick that one up, I reckon. I, I've really mm. enjoyed that game. And uh, we played some some of the old classics that we love, like Chaos in the Old World as well. I've played some Ticket mm. to Ride Hot Seat with my wife. Lots of good stuff on there, even outside of Kings of War. So being able to use it as a system for Kings of War as well. Um yeah, I think you. for those who have their frustrations with UB particularly, you might find that you really like that. Well, there's other people will, you know, prefer the scientific precision of UB and not care about the aesthetics. Same players that turn up with, uh, you know, five white hordes, undead armies that are all unpainted and stuff like that. Mm. <laughs> you soulless type. I you just you like are. the dice. The <laughs> dice are so much better. Yeah, that that's a big part of it for me too. I like being able to roll a die. I don't believe the numbers when I just see them. I need to see them as pips on a die. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) that's right. (laughs) Yeah, well, the other big thing that's come through is the Kings of War errata um, just recently. Um, So that that really did clear up a lot of the movement elements. That's just on the Mantic side. Yep, yeah, it's on the Mantic side and all the Facebook groups. They've all sort of mentioned the errata FAQ. And I think there's a couple of small changes to characters i think morgoth got in got yeah name, morgoth got a bit of a uh bump back in the right direction so he went from uh, I mean, a correction yeah yeah he went from uh speed 10 down to seven and drain life i forget what he was but it's nine down seven, nine down to seven was. um and there's a few other little ones that were almost uh bumped back so rumor on the street let's just say that Rev-Gav. we're not going Come to on. uh yeah we're not going <laughs> to name names but uh yeah, Revcav were on on the cusp. Um That's such a good year. However, at the last second I hear that they were pulled off the errata list mm. and uh were kept as normal and So someone at Mantic loves Undead. Well it's not it's not just Mantic, <laughs> it's the uh rules committee as well. So 
Uh, pretty interesting. Like, let's just say that. Hmm. Um, but I'm very interested to see when the next sort of big change comes through. Uh, you reckon it's Clash of Kings? It's got to be. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Clash of Kings will definitely come through, and you cannot ignore the stats that are coming through at the moment. Uh, with Undead, if you start to break mm. down what units are being used in Undead armies, it's it's a shame because it's a nice diverse army that that a lot of, has a lot of different good units that you can use. You don't need to take heaps of regiments of Revcav and heaps of hordes of Whites and troops of Race. Like there's loads of other good units that are only probably five or ten points here or there less efficient. Like you can take a lot of diverse um, lists with Undead. I think it's a yeah, it's a bit of a shame to see them taken in that kind of a spammy way. Um, I hope, like I've said before, that they just adjust the points of things, keep the way, keep the units the way that they should be and how that they played. But if they're just too good, stop the points. Yeah. So once again, rumor on the street is that uh, that is going to happen. Um, so they're going to adjust okay. points, and hopefully, it's meaningful adjustments, not uh, slight. Ah, oh, okay, I can't take my scrying gem now. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think it is... I don't think Undead, uh, to be fair, I don't think Undead need massive changes. I just think they mm. need small tweaks that will adjust the way that people build armies. Mm. Um, so I know that there's a, a few lines of talk around zombies being irregular, um, as an example. Right, so you can't just take the three regiments of zombies and that's it. Yep, so you can't just take, what is that, like 200 and 20 points worth of zombies and then take everything that's amazing in the army yeah 210 yeah. but they're also on the flip side i mean i feel like undead armies should have zombies in them and yeah. skeletons but okay. i guess if you make them irregular then that kind of forces a skeleton choice to be taken yeah for unlock and skeletons mm-hmm. aren't terrible no they're fine i like the skeleton spearmen i've got a horde of them um you know i, I haven't played mine dead that much but i do like the mm. They've got a lot of diverse range of things, like even like ghouls and things like that are are not bad. Like they just, but yeah, there's just things that you just see another unit next to it that's just that little bit better. Internal balance has just could use a little bit of tweaking, much like elves in second edition had that kind of problem. And but you got to be careful with those tweaks because if you over tweak it, all of a sudden yep. the you just ne- you just see the reverse. You know, like instead of seeing all these troops of race and hordes of whites, we suddenly see nothing but um, Sol Cav and, I don't know, ghoul troops or something, like wh- whatever yeah. it is. Like you'll you just change the meta in another direction if you nerf something too hard. Uh, needs to maintain a certain level of internal balance so that all the different choices are good. Interesting, nonetheless. We'll have to hopefully... Um, the li- latest um, Raids of Isolation goes on the Australian rankings because we placed quite well. Andrew, old mate Andrew, who's been on the show before, he came third. Oh, nice, yeah. I think in that one. He's had a, um, a, a similar to run to... I had a brief period where I was doing very well uh, last year where I was getting a, a, quite a few sort of one-day tournaments turning up and getting like three out of three wins and coming third. He's He's been mm. having a similar streak lately where he's just been... Yeah, kicking ass or or getting one draw. Like he's he's been. Um, I don't want to say completely undefeated because I don't don't really keep track of these things. But I think he's been reasonably undefeated in like the last three or four events he's been in. Very yeah, he's done very, well. Uh, a lot of asses have been kicked by our boy, um, who is of course playing undead. But uh, yeah, he's been building that army lo- since before they were cool. Same as me. <laughs> oh, wait. In rage of rage of isolation, he lost his last game to. The best player in the world, Jeff. Oh, you can't, you can't Which knock him too much for yeah. that, then, can you? Really? <laughs> <laughs> he very nearly beat Tracy as well. Like, um, yeah, so that game sounded like a, a nail biter. I think he, he said like it was a surge ten or something, and he didn't get any successes. Yeah, that yeah. was a that was a critical <laughs> moment. Not necessarily the difference between winning and losing or anything, but it was definitely a critical helps. moment when you when you when you fluff a surge ten that that hurts. That's the other thing. <laughs> no, just just one. Just that, come on. That reminds me. That's another thing I'd love to see changed um, with the magic. Outside of, of course, we want to see um, hex changed because it doesn't do anything. But I want, I want to yep. see surge changed to. Uh, you need at least you need more than one success. Yeah, okay. I think there would be a small, subtle change just to make it that little bit riskier. Because at the moment, I feel like it's just got. It's meant to be pseudo risky, but it's sort of just. 
isn't. It's so Too easy to easy. move a unit yeah. up, rotate it, get it. And Within it, an it also sort of bothers me from a, a rules perspective a bit because it says you need to keep one inch away from your opponent's model. So you just say the words that's yes, within that one inch. Gray thing. But yeah. guess what? It's virtually physically impossible to be precisely one inch away from something, isn't it? I mean, that's always mm. that's always bothered me. It's always going to be one inch and a nanometer, right? Like, and you're just declaring that it's within an inch, but it's not. <laughs> and mm. if it's if it's with if it's you know obviously it's closer than an inch, then you're doing it wrong. You're not allowed to do that. So. To be able to just sort of magically say that it's precisely an inch away just so that you only need one four plus, it's always just sat a bit ill with me, even as an undead player, an occasional undead player. Like, make it two successes so that surge four is really risky and sur- because it should be because it's a low surge number and surge like eight or something, there's still like, you know, something of a chance in there that you just won't get it. I mean, notwithstanding... Mm. <laughs> Andrew's failed surge 10 when you need one. That's just <laughs> crazy. And sometimes you need three yeah. inches or something. I, I, I respect that. But I feel like more often than not, those really deadly important surges are like, I just yeah. need a one, you know? Mm. I mm. like it. Uh, just in closing, uh, a massive call out to Ronnie and Martin, I think, and Rob Exotic. Uh, I think they're going to have a massive big battle very shortly. I'm not sure if you've seen it on Kings They've of They've been t- talking about that for a while. Yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, Kings cool. of War f- fanatics, if you want to check that out, check out the battlefield. I know that Ronnie's been painting that over his isolation period and uh, painting up <laughs> his, his dwarves as well. Um, so there's going to be allegedly um, English banter which is probably just like their cricket banter, which is pretty terrible. Um, but, yeah, go over and check it all out. It's That battlefield uh, has, I think it's an eight-foot battlefield. It looks awesome. Where is so, this on uh, a Mantic, Mantic website, yeah, is it? Or? I th- I'm not sure if it's on the Mantic website, but you can maybe check. But it's definitely on the Kings of War Fanatic Facebook page. Mm. Um, just if you want to just search for Ronnie Renton. That sounds fun. I've been saying for ages I want to have a massive Kings of War battle. We should do mm. one too. Yeah, that sounds cool. Ronnie's been making noises about wanting to come on the cast again as well. I don't know. Should we let him or? Uh, <laughs> maybe. Depends on his performance of the big battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he wins the we'll big battle. <laughs> we only have players of, of legitimate caliber. <laughs> I've just thought of one thing. Uh, with the counter charge painting competition, which happened recently, um, which my you, uh, my entries all featured as a finalist. That didn't win. Um, I was supposed to talk about the the fancy boys. What what's up with them? And I said I'd do that in the next missive. So here it is. What's the point of them? Uh, basically, their story. I think I've said this on a few episodes as well. It'll kind of spread out throughout history because it's been a, a slow project. Um, but the fancy boys are just beast people who are trying to retain their humanity, but they're not doing it very well because they're beast people. <laughs> so with my skin walls which i've torn it turned into corporate walls so instead of skin they're wearing uh, business suits so they've kind of wolfed out in their business suit form and that's why they're holding, hoarding the gold because that's all they care about <laughs> and that's their idea of being human mm-hmm. um and the judgment tours giant mallets wearing uh, judges wigs that that's what they think being a judge is just having those two items <laughs> and lording it over people i've seen a few top hats um, and then around, you've right? Yeah, so I've got a unit of uh, tribal spears or um, uh, spirit walkers, and they are all wearing uh, top hats and carrying little billy clubs. And because they're all kind of naked-chested, they don't have uh, jacket pockets, so they have pinned flowers into their skin um, (laughs) to kind of represent that that thing, uh, which took a bit of a a bit of time to convert, but. Again, that's their idea of being human. Um, but yeah, they're, they're all not very successful. Um, and, and I've also had um, Harvey Birdman. That's it. Which is, And then I modeled um, aviation glasses on him and gave him a, a tie iron because he's got a flying machine or trying to anyway. It's not very good, which is why he's got wings and still flies. But he's, he's, he's trying and that's, the, uh, that's why it counts. No, that sounds cool, man. I'd love to see some pictures of some uh, these converted and painted figures i know you've been slowly working on them for a while and by a while i mean like 50 or 60 years now because like beastmen have always been the red-headed stepchild of like warhammer as well before before kings of war Mm. they've always been like 
if not the weakest, like one of the weakest armies, like need a boost in points to compete with the other armies and things like that. I'm not even sure yeah. why that is. And in third edition, Herd's not very good. So, yeah. which has kind of killed the motivation as well. Yeah, Herd's definitely justifiably one of those lower few armies. Anyway, I, that's my spiel. I said I'd do that, and there it is. It's done. <laughs> so, I might post the pictures on the Directness Fire page. I don't think I've done it. I've just submitted the entries to the Countercharge page. Mm-hmm. So, if you wanted to check them out, have a look there. Yep, I think that'll do. Enjoy the outro music, and we'll speak to you soon. See you guys. Laters. Thank you for tuning in with my team. Make sure you follow on Facebook and Twitter. Yes, indeed, more than a game. It's a lifestyle, yes, sir. Hope you realize that the math hammer doesn't work. <laughs> we give the people what they desire. Australian war gaming podcast, direct misfire. You don't want to miss a thing. Yeah, we got plenty more. If you're ready, let's go. Stay tuned, that's for sure. Hey. Crazy. And sometimes you need three inches.